Greetings. Let us go for a ride. Here we are. Ninth story. Enjoy. Well, hello there, cats and kittens. Um, this is Craig at the Ninth Story. I am flying solo. I am the pilot of the airwaves for this particular episode, and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, depending upon how you look at it, for probably each and every episode of The Ninth Story going forward. Um, this probably comes as no surprise to listeners of the show, but, uh, you know, over the last several episodes, there's been a bit of a, a falling out uh, between myself and, and, and young Daniel. Um, like all artistic relationships over time, um, artistic differences has gotten the better of the two of us. So we've decided to, to, to part ways. Um, you know, and, and, and now that I've loosed that particular anchor that was dragging down the show that was me anyway, um, you know, things are really going to pick up steam from here on out. Um, you know, I, I, again, I jettisoned Dan into the, uh, to the stardust of the galaxy, so to speak. And, um, you know, hey, once I loosened him from the show, um, the, uh, some, of the, some of the people that, uh, that, that we've long endeavored to join us um, have, have miraculously decided that they want to be part of the show, um, which is, I think, a testament to my talent, um, obviously. Um, again, it reaffirms why Dan and I severed our relationship um, after, lo, these many episodes. Um, and, and I feel like a new man. I've been, I've been reborn here at the Ninth Story. Um, so, hey, um, I don't want to, you know, take too much time to focus on some of the great things that will be coming up in future episodes here at the Ninth Story. But I will say this. Neil Gaiman and Thomas Harris, two of my favorite authors, um, have agreed to be part of the show. Um, and... Uh, so that's exciting news for me. Incredibly exciting news. Bad news for some of you, because Dan's no longer here. It's just me from here on out. But in the coming weeks, um, stay tuned for some A-list celebs and some top-notch guests and writers. And, you know, we, we can really get down to the business of exploring the writer's craft. Um, one of the other things I'm going to try to do on this show is make it more professional. Um, so with that in mind... Um, I'm going to keep the show in digestible chunks. No more blathering on and on for two hours about nothing. Uh, so with that in mind, um, I'm going to go to my first break. And when I come back from break, um, I'm manning this ship. And we're going to run it. Well, we're just going to run it. Stepfather from the Caveman Mafia. 
You're listening to the Night Story Podcast. And we're back. Um, feels pretty good, I gotta tell you. I, I like the feel of the studio being a one-man show, master of my own domain. Yeah, it, it, what's going on? Yeah, you, oh. Y'all set and ready to go? I got your wine here. I, I know you're not drinking oh. beer yet. So, uh, wait, wait, you recording something? Um, what do you, what do you got going on? Uh, nothing. Oh, okay. So, I wasn't, well, there's well, nothing going on. You know what we should do? We should do something, uh, we should do something fun for April Fool's. Oh, that's, there's an idea. Yeah, yeah. We'll think of something. Maybe we can, uh, we'll, we'll, we can edit it in later or something. I don't know. What, what would you like, I mean, if, um, you know, uh, if you were going to do like an April Fool's gag, uh, what, what, what would you do there, Dan? I don't know. Maybe I'd. Um, you know what we could do? We what? could. Pre- I could do the intro, and yeah. I could pretend like you're no longer part of the show. No, no. You don't think that would work? No. You think we'd lose some people? Maybe? I think so. Yeah. That's a terrible idea. Really? Well, it's. It's just. Um, it's, it's, it's been. It's, it's been played. You, you think it's been done before? I think it's been done. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. Um, I, I mean, it's not It's not a horrible idea. Don't get no. me wrong. I mean... Well, you know, you think on it, and if you think of something, you know, we can we can, we can, can figure it out. I don't know. You, you said you're going to edit this one, so, you, you, hey, it's your show It's your show to play with. No, 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 no. No? No. Oh. I don't feel comfortable with that. No. Oh. I couldn't... I, no. I'm not... I can't do... No. I'm not oh. a solo performer. <laughs> You need the extra. You need the dialogue. Yes. Yeah. That's right. I would never. Um, I would never venture out to do this show on my own. That'd be uh, wrong. Yeah, that would be a bad idea. But you know, that would be that would be funny if if. Uh, if I don't think so. No. No. I find no humor in that. Uh, I don't know. Hey, you know what we could we could uh, we could say that I, we're a team. Don't no. Don't talk. Don't, don't joke about that. Okay. That's not funny. All right. That's fair. I enough. would never do that to you. Let's. Um, how about we do something like where we uh, we we admit that one of us uh, found out that we were adopted or something? It would just say, "Hey, you know, I just had some some interesting news. I found out that uh, I'm actually that child of Vladimir Putin." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to think on it. Yeah, um, we'll figure something. We, we definitely out. need. Yeah, I, amen. So, so um, I, I don't know. I came in. You were you were recording something. Do, do you want me to send that file to you or? Yeah, you know when you know when you should send it to me. Yeah, on April first, on April Fool's Day. There you go. Yeah, like today. Ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. So, so Patrick Harris and Neil Gaiman are coming on. Is that Patrick Harris? Well, I love Patrick Harris. Who the hell is that? Uh, Doogie Hauser. Oh, there you go. Uh, See, I'm not a fan of your mother. You're not, you're not a fan of you're not a fan of Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. See, yeah. I thought I was talking about Thomas Harris. Thomas Harris and Neil Gaiman. You got those two confirmed for the show? Yeah, but well, as, it turns as out, long as they come on the show today on April first, then they're confirmed. Well, I might have had a little fun with the audience. Yeah, well, it's that's not good. the Neil Gaiman. Ah, it's it's a guy named Neil Gaiman. Well, and as it turns out. It's and it's spelled completely different. His name is spelled N E A L, and his last name is G A Y M O N. Oh, Game On. So, so it's like uh, Harry Blackman. Yeah. From um, uh, I thought I had cameo. Thought I had screwed. Now, pretty ladies around the world. Okay, cameo. Yeah, cameo. Yeah. Word up. Yeah. What's his real name? Larry Blackman. His name's Blackman. You did not make that up. That's a like bookman. Remember the the, the the library officer in that episode of Seinfeld, <laughs> or or um, Monty Python and um, uh, Life of Brian. I have a very good, a very dear friend named Biggest Dickens. Throw him to the floor, said yeah. very roughly. Exactly. So it's a joke name, sir, like Gluteus Maximus. Right. 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 Or or Biggest Dickens. Biggest Dickens. I have the idea of friend. Yes, amen. So, I think... Um, yeah, I know what you were doing. Yeah. Well, tis the day that we celebrate the fools of April. Yes, instead of sticking fishes to your back like the French people do. What the fuck's up with that? The French. I don't question it. Hey, you know, 
Um, I'm going to recommend a movie to you. You need to watch... It's not Blood and Donuts. Uh, well, you might want to subject yourself to that if it's, like... I don't know. That's kind of like torture. Yeah. But The People versus George Lucas... Oh, okay. Um, I'm one a, of those people. Yes. I think you will enjoy it. It's hilarious to me because one of the things they talk about in that movie is the fiasco that is Jar Jar Binks. Oh, and okay. And where the fuck was George Lucas's brain when he decided, hey, I'm going to put uh, Jar Jar in there. He's going to step in poo and he's going to, oh, Misa, what's going on, sir? Um, the French love Jar Jar. They think that this proves that George Lucas can still innovate. You're kidding, right? No, I'm 100% dead serious. I looked at my wife and I'm like, well, of course, they love Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Lewis right. I was just, that's obviously, when you say that, the first thing that jumps into my mind is that, you know, they revere Jerry Lewis as, you know, he's a national treasure over there. I mean, I'll be honest. Hey, guys, You know what's funniest about Jerry Lucas? Nothing. Jerry Lucas. Jerry Lewis. Well, they're the same guy, I guess. I merged them together. Um, Jerry Lewis lives in that goiter under George Lucas's chair. <laughs> the cat sack. That's right. <laughs> so he can eat cats. I, you um, know, did you did you know the Bib Fortuna character in uh, Return of the Jedi? So fortunate that he had a bib. No, he's the guy. Like I think Lucas got the idea. He, Bib Fortuna is the guy who has like that thing that wraps around his head. Uh, and he's on yeah, Thomas yeah, yeah. Barge. I think Lucas got the idea by looking in the mirror <laughs> that sack that was under his chair. Well, you know, Lucas is in the third prequel, right? Which what? The He's, third prequel? Yeah. What is that? Uh, that would be uh, Revenge of the Sith. Okay. He is a um, a diplomat. He's in, done all in blue. He has. He's in it. You didn't know that? I didn't. I can't remember his name. It's like Papa Nuda or something like that. Seriously? Yes. He put himself in one of the movies. He, put, he did a Hitchcock. He did. He, did, he, he put himself in there. He, he hitched his cock right into the... Hey, movie. now. Watch it. This one's... For adults. Oh, that's right. Okay. I put the disclaimer in the front. That's right. That's right. Um, actually, maybe we didn't put the disclaimer in the front since you started out. It was my show, and yeah. I decided that people know. Yeah, that, they already you know, know. I'm not restricting the freedoms and the liberties of anybody in this country anymore. Yeah, if, okay. if you're if you're 50 years old and you have give a, a shit 10 if you're 50 kid or, or 5. Right. If you stumble across our show on your radio dial. It's bad luck for you, kid. You know, exactly that's exactly I, right. I rate it appropriately in iTunes. It's a hard life lesson or a hard life lesson. It's a hard or, it's life. a hard life lesson. It's Listen. A hard, it's a hard knock. It life. is a hard knock life. Um, it's a hard knock life. Sooner or later you're going to get exposed to this language it might as well be now. Sooner or later, something's going to be exposed. Right. That's another April Fool's Day joke. <laughs> or April fooling all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. You are a fool. Well, sure. April okay. 1st. April comes you. You're April's first fool. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> so so what do you do for the kids for April Fool's Day? Do you get them gifts or? There's no... We put up an April Fool's Day tree. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's about it. I think it would be great to start a tradition in the Weber household where for every April Fool's Day, you put up the, the April Fool's Day tree and you give them presents, like lavish piles of presents under the tree. And you could do one of two things. You could do what Jimmy Kimmel had his audience do. Okay. I don't know if you've watched this. No. Jimmy not familiar with this reference. Okay. So, so Kimmel had his parents give out terrible Christmas gifts and okay. film it. So they would give, like, half a sandwich <laughs> or a juice box or, you know, something that the kid obviously did. Well, they're like, you already took a bite out of this sandwich. Yeah. Um, so you could do that or you could have the boxes just completely empty. Just get them all excited. You know, kids... Now, see, that's that, that's that's in line with April Fool's. Now, that would be something. I found out something about our heritage. Yeah. We are actually Ganushkin. And one of the traditions is every April 1st for Ganushkin Day, right. we give out presents. So come on down, guys. I think that would... I, I think, I think you'd be like the worst parent in the world to <laughs> inflict that type of psychological trauma on your kids. Well, one of the... I think it would be hilarious. Yes. The kids, however, would never recover from that. <laughs> One of the one of the gifts. Did you imagine that? Like, I mean, put yourself in the, the mind of a ten year old, you know, to come down the stairs and see all of the, you know, to see the lavish, each a pipe wrench, April Fool's Day tree sitting there, 
with you know adorned with box after box after box covered with covered fish with, with with fancy wrapping paper yes with fish on them right and then open up every box and have it be i mean the, the, there there's no there's not enough therapy in the world better yet you take their shit and wrap it up that's, <laughs> that's an idea <laughs> that's an idea whose time has come yeah. <laughs> i think i could get away wait with that one. that's my i don't shoes. think my kids would even realize it yeah uh, yeah there's so much stuff they have so much crap I say that all you the time. You be a good dad. You just wrap it. It's not, it's not just me. I mean, it's like it's everybody else in the family, even the grandparents and whatnot. Everybody just lumps stuff on them. You could wrap their gifts up for each other. <laughs> <laughs> Look, son, you got a Barbie doll. Yeah, there you go. Well, again, not enough therapy in the world to deal with all of that stuff. You'd be like, great. Right. I, finally, dad, that's what I've been asking yes, for. Yes, Barbie doll. Yes, spoken from, yes. I've been asking for a, 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 a Cabbage Patch doll for years. Yeah, yeah. Did you uh, beat any other parents over the head while obtaining this Cabbage Patch doll? No. Most no. most listeners. Well, I, I think I think our audience is is in our demographic. I think they'll get the reference. What's which what reference? <laughs> you didn't get the reference. Don't you remember when Cabbage Patch dolls first came out? Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Parents were like beating each other. Yeah, and they they ended up making. Remember there was that uh, that Schwarzenegger movie. Was it Jingle All the yes. Way? That was based upon that. It was a certain doll that came out and parents were beating themselves up beating themselves up beating others up in the store Sinbad was in that Sinbad was in that with Arnold Schwarzenegger there's a show called Chopped on the Food Network that uh, I occasionally put on to fall asleep to and uh, they had celebrity guests and Sinbad was one of them and one of the two whatever happened to Sinbad well he's on Chopped he's on Chopped (laughs) and one of the two (laughs) one of the two I'll tell you a couple things he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer he's got a hell of a lot more money than i do so he's doing something right does he though didn't he fall on hard times financially it's it's a hard knocks life <laughs> it it's like whenever they did the commercial where they came and took hammer shit away <laughs> right 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 um <laughs> april fool's april fool's dance choking right before us he's got a chicken bun stuck in his throat he's eating mama cass's ham sandwich folks. i have bit into a bone and have broke my tooth i'll choke on a ham sandwich <laughs> Hey, friends. <laughs> yeah, hey, Piggy, what you doing over here? Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good, uh, we that's were good gonna, Kermit. We were going to do that. Uh, we had a game show planned whenever Towers hosted um, his last show with the non-standard assembly. His, his last two- show, did you say? No, 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 retiring. The, no, 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 the, the two-part show. Oh, the yeah. The one we did with half of it here and half of it. Well, both halves were here, but John hosted one half and I hosted the other. Yeah, that was a nice... Uh, Transition you guys had there. Yeah, you like that. Yeah, it was a nice little. It was a nice change from from your show over to his show, where I where I introduced his show. And he's like, "Did you just fucking call out my that show?" That was what I enjoyed about it the most. <laughs> it's like everybody's like, "Ooh." Yeah, it got, it got it, yeah. Did you say, "Hey, it just got weird in here"? Did it just got weird in here. <laughs> like, I don't know. We had a good discussion. It was good. I hit the record button. I figured. I wasn't just going to say, hey, everybody, we're recording. I'll just be like... Yeah, you tried to make a nice, seamless transition yeah. over to the show, and he was like, hey, fucker. Yeah, hey. What are you doing with my show? He don't just, you fucking come here and rape my show. Uh, who would do that? Some asshole. I mean, what kind of a jackass would have to hijack a show and try to put it off as his own show? <laughs> I don't know. Some jack wagon. I mean, I would never do that. No, of course not. Of course not. That's against... Not even code. on April 1st. It's against the pirate code. It is against... Is that got a, oh, I've got a bucket of dirt. <laughs> it's a jar of dirt. dirt. Well, I have a bucket. Well, you're, uh, hey, there you go. I have a whole you're bucket. Like, I'll say your jar, I'll see, and right, I'll raise you a bucket. bucket. Right. A bucket fucking of dirt. It's a fuck it bucket. Fuck it bucket of dirt. Right. I don't think that's really dirt in there, so... I didn't say what it was. It's a beaten heart of one Davy Jones. <laughs> it's a beaten It's a still beaten heart of Davy Jones. It's in a bucket of dirt. It's in a bucket of dirt. <laughs> My heart is dirty. <laughs> April Fools. April Fools. Where was I going? I was talking. I have about no something. idea. Oh, you were still talking about Sinbad. Oh yeah, Sinbad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, hold on. We'll go back and then yes, and then you started talking about the non-standard assembly, and I don't know how you got to there from Sinbad. I don't think we ever closed the loop on Sinbad being on Chopped. Okay, so Sinbad was on Chopped. Yes, and he's not very smart. The, one of the two movies that they introduced him as being in mm-hmm. was Jingle All the Way. Okay, well, what else was he? I, I can't remember what the other movie was. See. Because Jingle All the Way just like 
as soon as they said, I'm like, really? Did did Ted just announce that Sinbad was in Jingle All the Way as if that was some sort of claim to fame and and not a black mark on your record? Wasn't he also like in a movie? Didn't he play this like a Secret mo- Service movie. agent? Like where it was a co- obviously it was a comedy, I guess. <laughs> Apparently he's a comedian. Um, I think he was funny though. I think I remember seeing. Didn't he win his, his stand-up was funny? Didn't, didn't he win the uh, Star Search? Isn't that where he came from? Wasn't he on Ed McMahon's Star Search? I think he won that. Oh yes, we have a, we have a very funny African American man. <laughs> Come on down to Bush Gardens. I, I think Sinbad won that, or he was on there, and then he went over to the uh, dark side. This man, <laughs> my lord, uh, this is... <laughs> he had some mio. It changed everything. He squirted some mio in his drink, and it changed everything. It changes everything. <laughs> Turned you into a black midget cowboy. <laughs> right. Drinking grape soda. That's right. Um, it's the no. worst commercial ever. It's incredibly offensive. It is. I, I hope that it's... I April hope Fool's. It's, yes. That commercial doesn't even exist. That's right. There's there's never been a Mio commercial That's like right. that. As I, as I said when we had a discussion about this off-air, I think that it's either done by an extremely racist <laughs> company a hateful, or a very hateful company because it's like as soon as he squeezes a lot of the grape drink in there it changes everything or it's done by someone like Chappelle who's uh, yeah. you know hey I can make fun of this right 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 I don't know which but I don't I don't either it reminds me of kind of a Mementos commercial where like somebody just like robs a bank and Runs out and they just hold up the Mentos and they're just like, yeah, you crazy kid. Oh, that crazy kid. He's got Mentos. That makes you do all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. You dress up as a waiter and take the tip. Yeah. Um, so, so Sinbad comes on the show. Yeah. And they mention that as one of his movies. He's one of the basketing. For anybody that's not seen the show, they get a, a basket, and usually they throw a bunch of crazy shit in there. And they're like, "Here you go, make a dessert with this." Yeah, it's cheese curls and <laughs> sauce and uh, <laughs> a, a banana, a banana and uh, an apple pie. Right, right, make something delicious. Make something delicious out of that. Use every ingredient. And, and then either the, the judges have lost bets or, I don't know. Just, <laughs> lost bets? Because it's like some of the shit, that the, like the first round they had, okay, so first round, um, they had pig li- pig, pickled pig lips, which I never even knew was a fucking product. One of the guys complains because Sinbad served him a pickled pig lip with hair in it. With hair in it? Hair growing out of Of it. course. I mean, of, of course. I mean, what, what's like, you? He must have got the lower lip. The upper lip has better <laughs> that's, flavor. That's funny. Um, when when you're eating that type of stuff, can, do you even have a right at that point to be finicky about what whether there is hair coming out of it? Sir, I mean, don't you just that's know? That's the lip of a pig. Right. I mean, you, you've lowered your standards a well, little bit at that point. Here comes the pig's bunghole. Right, but it's pickled. I just assumed if you took the time to pickle it, you used a depilatory on it and got all the hair off of it. It wouldn't taste like ass. That's right. It wouldn't taste like edible anus mm. pig or edible anus chocolates. By the way, friends, head on over to the Caveman Mafia podcast. Our good friend Mike Sierra, the stepfather and his crew, uh, have obtained a sponsor by reading a news story about a company from England that produces no shit, <laughs> pun intended, chocolates called Edible Anus Chocolates. Yeah, and no kidding, this is not an April Fool's Day job. No, that, this is true. This is the God's honest truth. If you go over to the Facebook page, their Facebook page at uh, facebook.com forward slash Mafia and like the page and tell your friends to like the page, and when your friends like it, they need to add a comment saying, you know, uh... John Smith sent me over and told me to like your page. Yeah, uh, they will go through and figure out who sent them the most likes for the page, and they will send you your own sample box of edible anus chocolates. Uh, they so if you ever wanted to eat anus, but you were concerned about the hygiene, this is this is right up your alley, so to speak. Yes, <laughs> right up the back alley. Right up the back alley. Yeah, we're gonna take you down a dark passage. Yeah, that's right. And they have it in three flavors. There's oh, there's a dark chocolate flavor oh, I can't remember the name is. of. Right. Um, there is also tight white <laughs> and meek milk. 
uh, those Brits, they come up with some great shit. Hey! <laughs> Ba-boom-boom. It's funny games here. So, how many tangents have we gone off on? Um, Here's the point. Yes, there was One of the point. basket ingredients, aside from pig, pickle pig lips, yes. was polenta. Oh, okay. You're familiar with polenta? Um, yes. For, for those of us who may not be familiar with polenta, it's corn, essentially. Yeah. And cornmeal. Cornmeal. And yeah. it's been cooked, and it comes into... It comes like in a chub, and a chub is. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's a funny. Word. That's what it's really called. I know. Um, <laughs> it, it, it comes in a chub. It looks like a chub. It's, it's a cylindrical container of plastic, and it's molded, and it's firm. Okay, stop it. And you put it in your mouth. Um, so Sinbad slices it up after he's got his food cooking. He's like, "Oh yeah, you see this," and I'm like. Well, I'm going to cut that cheese up and put that on there. Like, <laughs> he's watching it, and he's like, my cheese isn't melting for some reason. <laughs> like, really? So he thought the polenta was cheese? cheese. <laughs> I thought you were going for the obvious cut the cheese joke. No. But you were actually just... He's he thought that. polenta was He thought cheese. it was cheese. He's like, I look at it, it's a polenta. I was like, oh, that looks like good cheese. Jingle all the way. <laughs> jingle, jingle. All right. All the way to the bank. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so what do we want to talk about today? How, how far are we into this thing? Should we take a break? By the way, you took a break after you, you claimed the show for your own, so we can keep going for a little while. I did. We, we took a quick break in there. I yeah. tried to hijack the show. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Successful. It was, it was all part of our clever little April Fool's Day That's right. tonight story. That's right. Um, the fact that you tried to hijack it while... In my my studio, well, probably wasn't the best plan. I right. I my plan. I, I thought it out just a little bit less than Hans Gruber thought out taking over <laughs> Nakatomi Tower. I will say that. Wow, that's a that's a reference. If you don't know what that is, kids, a little less than Hans Gruber, but more so than Peter Simon Gruber. Peter Simon Krieg. Nice. Hans Gruber's brother. Yes. Yes, that yes. is a that is a delightful. You know, you know what drum. I was gonna, you know what I was gonna post out there on the social media a couple of weeks ago. You know, Die Hard was on; it's on all the time. Yeah, um, I was actually gonna make a joke, but it, I didn't think it would translate well to social media, and it sure as hell isn't gonna translate well here either. But at least if I articulate, I can get it out there. Do you know who? I, I, I and I can't even remember how I was gonna set up. Do you know how many friggin' times Bruce Willis's stunt double actually appears in? Die Hard. He's in the movie more than Bruce Willis is. <laughs> right. That has got to be some of it. I mean, don't, and I'm not criticizing. I love Die Hard. Love it. I'll reveal the, my own the, ignorance. The, I never noticed this the stuff. first one. It just seems like once you see it, it's like there's that guy again, <laughs> and it's like it's it is some of the worst edit. Like it's once per- you see it, you'll it, shit right, it, right. It's one of those things that once you see it, it can be unseen. Particularly at the end when he's fighting Alexander Gudnoff, you know the long blonde haired terrorist yes. that he eventually ends up. Right, that his stunt double is in that scene more than Bruce Willis is. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and it's just like, and, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you see him a good four or five times in that fight sequence. Nice. Where the the, the whoever was. Yeah, that might have been that must have been the third unit director or something who was doing that. Like everybody else was like, oh, right. Bruce Willis can't be bothered to come <laughs> in. Bruce right? is in his trailer, <laughs> uh, so we're gonna have this guy just do everything. That's right, because it's you know it's darkly lit. Yeah, uh, so I think they're just like, yeah, put him in the t-shirt and take his shoes off and put a pair of khakis on him. It's Brandon Lee you know, and right. the crow. Right. right, exactly. Just go run him out there. That's right. Yeah. Digitally put his face over. Yeah, in 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 in. in there's, I mean, obviously that I think of all the Die Hard films, that's the one that probably has the most stunt work going on in it. Um, they asked Willis to do quite a bit in that movie, um, but they got better. It's getting too old. For they, them. they got progressively better. Um, yeah, um, that that it's actually, or maybe Bruce Willis was just like, yeah, for, I'm just going to do my own stunts now. Yeah. Maybe back then he was. He look. I think that was. Um, that was early on in his movie career, so maybe he wasn't a proven Hollywood commodity at that point. That that may actually be part of it. If there's yeah. anybody listening to the show, you know, Towers would know exactly what happened. He would probably say, "Yeah, that's exactly what happened." I mean, he yeah. was still doing Moonlighting at the time, I think, that or had just finished Moonlighting. Yeah. Well, you know, that's whenever you know the character has gone south and had a rough day is whenever he comes to work 
the next day, unshaven, wearing the same clothes that he wore the day before. <laughs> that's another device like growing a beard. <laughs> as, as, as in reference to something that's our shared as a plot device. Right. It's like Bruce Willis showed up to work again, I guess. Something's wrong with him and Maddie. Oh, that's funny. Who played Maddie? Do you remember? Sybil Shepherd. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I couldn't think of her name for a minute. <laughs> yeah, Sybil Shepherd. Sit, Ubu, sit. Talk. Uh, I was never into that show. I think it was witty, but uh, you know, I was young and, and impressionable. impressionable and I kind of sure. liked it. I thought that it was really cool whenever he would show up to work in the same clothes. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, that's hardcore. He went out and slept in his car last night and got hammered. Yeah. And uh, I used to do that when I was about 20, but by the time I got to be Bruce Willis's age, that proved to be not I think a the, real good right, choice. I, I think the show was. I think it was okay, yeah. um, but I think it was one of those. I think it jumped the shark pretty quickly. I think it jumped the shark like everything when they hooked up. Right. Yeah. Anytime I mean, you get your two characters, yeah. that's part of the tension of the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Craig and I will not be. I was just gonna say, don't worry. There's not even. It's never gonna happen. It's not even. Yeah. It's not yeah. even on the table. Yeah. Or under it or wherever. <laughs> <laughs> so, you brought a book with you tonight, and did I? that I asked you to bring. What did I bring? You bought or brought, bought and brought, correct on both counts. Yes, I did buy it and I did bring it. The special edition. Oh, I bring it. The red. Yeah, I brought it. Whip it out. Nah, Um, the red dragon. Yes. Um, and and I and I I I wanted to see if you might be kind enough to to read some of the passages from the foreword that we can discuss. Um. Well, yeah. Um. Because I know you're a big fan of Patrick Harris and Neil Gaiman. <laughs> you're just going to butcher that. It's Thomas Harris once again. What did I say, Patrick you Harris? You said Patrick again. It's not Neil what Patrick happened? Harris or whatever Doogie Howser's name hey, is. Hey, okay, so that you got that Hannibal book. Uh, that is correct. Um, and for the... Go for him. For anybody... I want you to kill Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> right. Um, hey, did you watch that? No, but I got. I was watching the the blacklist. Yeah, and, and they, they showed, showed the that commercial. scene. Yeah, um, the blacklist. Um, do you watch the blacklist? I don't. We'll we'll talk about it off yeah. air. I'll t- I'll tell you something about it. Yeah. Um. So, the Red Dragon. I think anybody who's listening listened to our show at any point. Is that like you're riding riding the Red Dragon? Not not like that in the least bit. What's what's the euphemism for smoking heroin? The it's the dragon, isn't riding it? the dragon. Yeah, yeah, it's. But I don't think they. Don't I don't. Think, they don't give they're not. They're, they don't profile. They're not racist <laughs> like you. They don't put. They don't put. Their dragon has no color. Their dragon does not use Mio in its drink. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but if he did, it would be purple. It would be purple because <laughs> it changes everything. Hannibal Lecter becomes a nice guy. So you know, why was I eating people all these years? And yeah. after one swig of that drink, if I just squeeze some Mio into my my beverages. Um, I might just go have a cheeseburger at McDonald's. Yeah. So so anyway, um, a couple of things. Um, the Red Dragon was a book that when I was an impressionable young lad, um, I picked up. I was probably twelve years old um, when the Red Dragon came out in nineteen eighty one. And um, I think it was one of the first books that I picked up that I was like, wow, where I really discovered the power of uh, descriptive writing because that book, you know, the, the opening couple of chapters just scared the hell out of me. Um, but then I would always go back to it and then I don't need to rehash what, what became of the the Thomas Harris franchise, the Hannibal Lecter. I mean, Red Dragon became Silence of the Lambs, became Hannibal, became Hannibal Rising. Yeah, no one wants to talk about uh, Manhunter. Well, I Manhunter, I you know, I always thought Manhunter was well done, was incredibly well done. Yeah. Um, most people don't know about it though. Most people don't know, right? Most people don't know that it's the Red Dragon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's based on the book by based Thomas on the book, Harris. Yes. Yeah. Patrick Harris. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, I you know that I like to to collect the book. Yes. Uh, I'm a book collector, and um, I like a hardcover. You are the collector. Yeah, I'm you a, want all the time to inject her. That's right. Oh boy, um, I'm a big fan of the hardcover. So I have Silence of the Lambs. You said I have Hannibal and I have Hannibal Rising all in hardcover. I never, I never had uh, the Red Dragon in hardcover form. So I finally got it. Got it through the Amazon. It's a great deal. Um, so as it turns out, though, I got a newer version of it, um, which had a new foreword 
by Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, um, is he related? Apparently, yeah, they're um, buddies. And and it's really cool. He actually in in the foreword, he talks about the evolution of the character, like his first meeting with Doctor Lecter. It's a great insight into how a writer writes and how a writer brings a character to life. Which yeah. is why I thought it would be great to share. Yeah, and um, it's really interesting because he talks about kind of just being out in this field, being surrounded by these feral dogs, as he refers to them. This is not in the book. This no, is, no, this this is, is just, an experience of his. Yeah, this is just the experience oh, of his. Uh, wow. it's, it's from the foreword. He was in the Mississippi Delta. Ah. Um, so there was an event going on. He doesn't get into detail why he had to go back to Mississippi Delta. I think there was an illness in the family, and I think he went back home, and he was staying there for quite some time while he was trying to write the book. And, and he mentions he would go out and walk in the evenings in the dark, and he said he became quite accustomed to the dogs that would, that would roam around. The, Looking for treats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, Will Graham? Yeah, yeah. And... Um, he would look back at the cabin and whatnot, and he doesn't really get into the description of how it led to creation of the Lecter character, but he kind of makes this allusion to being around the dogs and the getting into that whole thing about the fear and the dogs smelling the fear but not showing your fear, and then he kind of blends that into the first time that we, the Will Graham character goes in to meet with Dr. Lecter, and Lecter smells the fear on him. So, again, it's just, it, it's kind of an, an interesting insight into now, it, the way Graham, that the in, writer's in the book, mind works. Yeah. Does he, and I've not read Red Dragon, so... You've not? Well, you I don't know not. what you're missing. I know I don't know what I'm missing. Yeah. Does he collect wayward dogs? Because I know that's, that's up in Hannibal, the I, TV show. I don't think it was in the movie. It's not in the Red Dragon. So it's not it's, in Manhunter. How interesting! In the, in the movies, yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's an interesting point. I would have to go back and and it's been a long time since I read this, and I just picked this up again. That's what, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get it. That's why I was thinking about that because maybe that's where if he's involved in any way with the TV show, yeah. You know, maybe or maybe that's an homage to him from somebody that's a fan. That knows, you know, he used to go hang out with the feral dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with Bitches. you. Um, but he does talk about this. Here, here's one thing I'll read. He says, Will Graham had to ask somebody. He needed some help, and he knew it. He knew where he had to go long before he let himself think about it. I knew Graham had been severely damaged in a previous case. I knew he was terribly reluctant to consult the best source he had. At the time, I myself was accruing painful memories every day, and in my evening's work, I felt for Graham. So that's Harris talking about his main character, and right. he would already—he'd already come up with that thing that, listen, here's a guy who's been damaged, right? And I'm going to, you know, he—he he hadn't yet come up with the idea of. Well, who was it that damaged him? How did he get damaged? I know he's—I he, knew he is damaged. So is he saying that that's something that he took, he drew on from his personal life that he was feeling damaged? I think so, because yeah. I, I think that's that's where he's going with the whole thing about being out roaming around in the wilderness yeah. with the dogs and whatnot, and um, you know, trying to put himself in a place where he was seeing crime scenes. You know, and again, it's a it's a, it's a very a very interesting. The, the thing that I had mentioned to you off air that I found even more interesting. Um, was when he talks about sitting down to write Silence of the Lambs. Um, and he says, years later, I started the Silence of the Lambs, but I did not know that Dr. Lecter would return. I'd always liked the character of Dolly Iliad in Black Sunday. Black Sunday is the only other book that Thomas Harris had written prior to The Red Dragon. And I wanted to do a novel with a strong woman as the central character. So I began with Clarice Starling, and not two pages into the novel, I found that she had to go visit the doctor. Now, I think that's amazing, and you, and you and I have talked about that before, um, about writing the story and having it unfold and mm -hmm. not really have... So so here's a iconic character in book, at this point, book history already, and eventually what would become movie history. Um, and he originally didn't have Lecter in his plans when he sat down to write Silence of the Lambs. Just kind of showed up. Yeah, and but then, as we all know, um, 
Lecter takes over. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that really becomes the book and more particularly the film. I mean, the book, there's a lot more Starling than Lecter. Yeah. Um, but the film is... Oh, yeah. Because, well, it's still Clarice Starling's story. Yes. Hannibal becomes the character. Well, yeah. I mean, how can you not right. be enamored and drawn to, especially Hopkins' portrayal? Right. Right, right, right. And then um, w- one of the other things I just wanted to share from this is is something that you've talked about many times, the phrase killing the darlings and um, Harris or talks. Or starlings. Or your starlings, right, right, right. Harris says, uh, I dreaded doing Hannibal. I dreaded the personal wear and tear, dreaded the choices I would have to watch, feared for Starling. In the end, I let them go, as you must let your characters go. Let Dr. Lecter and Clarice Starling decide events according to their natures. Um, Is an interesting, he's an interesting guy, Thomas Harris. Um, And and again, this is, uh, I I think the, 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 the forward to this particular edition of the book is probably well worth the price that I paid for the book. I mean, yeah. it gave me an incredible uh, insight. And I had no idea this was in this version. There's something that you read to me off air that's very interesting about the way that characters develop. And that the best author sometimes needs to step out of the way in order for the characters to become who they should be. And there are situations where you can actually be amazed by what your characters actually do. And and that's one of the coolest things about writing is when you're in that zone and you're writing and your characters start to say things that you don't intend them to and do things that you don't intend them to. Do you want me to read that section? Uh, because it, it might help yeah, why not? Yeah, it's, it's, he's got three pages. In yeah, there. the the section that, that that Dan's talking there about is um, Harris is saying that. So I began with Clarice Starling, and not two pages into the novel, found that she had to go visit the doctor. That's the part I had already read. That can, continues on Doctor's by saying, hours. <laughs> "Yeah, a different doctor altogether." Although oh. that would have been a great story, as Doctor well. Who. That would have been a great yarn. Yeah, um, I admired Clarice Starling enormously. And I think I suffered some feelings of jealousy at the ease with which Dr. Lecter saw into her when it was so difficult for me. Now, that's the section you're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. Which, to, for, from my perspective, I was incredibly intrigued by that. because yeah, absolutely. It, it just amazes me. And then hearing you talk about it off air, and, and you, know, you can talk a little bit more about it a little bit more about it now right. I can certainly see where you know he's coming from as you were thoughtful yeah. enough to explain it to me it's it's amazing to first read it's like wow that really sounds odd <laughs> at first read it's like it's like saying it's okay to like a show that you don't like right well yes yeah. it, it, it sounds crazy at first at first blush but I think and I'm, I, I don't know for sure because I haven't asked him the question but I think what he's saying is when you write a story, a lot of times you sit down and you look at who your characters are, and you start to think about, okay, what's their history? Um, you know, who were their parents? Where do they come from? What makes them who they are today? Because you, the better you understand your characters, the more natural you can make them in the scenes that you're using them in. So anyway, whenever you're whenever you're going through that creative process and you're developing your characters, a lot of times. Authors use the exercise of sitting down with either a chart or a piece of paper, um, a chart that's specifically made for this purpose, or a piece of paper, and just saying, okay, who were their parents? You know, how old are they? What color is their hair? How tall are they? What's their favorite music? He was exactly six feet tall. He was exactly six feet tall. He had steel gray eyes. His name was Harry, and he wore a toque. Hey, we're her. This we're hoes. This, this machine's got the biscuit. Um, I go get Bismarck at double double. Anyway, um, so that part's hard sometimes because when you're sitting down and you're like, "What makes my character tick?" Yeah. But what's funny is, and I've had this happen to me before. You put two characters in a scene together and they start talking to each other, and you're like. You know, like he's describing Lecter and Starling. It's a, I, I can imagine him sitting down and going, "Okay, who is Starling? What makes her tick? What are what's her motivation? What is she trying to do?" And then he puts a developed character like Lecter, who's who can see right through her. Yeah, yeah. And and he and he basically because that's his nature. He's writing the character, and he's like, 
Oh, I see who you are. You're a coal miner's daughter. You're only one generation removed from poor white trash. Yeah, that's that a great point. Yeah. So that's I think that's what he's saying with that, and it's 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 fun when that happens, and I think it's it's almost natural when that happens when you have a character that you place in a scene with another character and, and they just play off of each other. You know, you you might be exactly right that 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 is probably what he's referring to there. Again, to your point, don't know, haven't talked with Thomas Harris directly. Uh, Patrick Harris. We, we, Patrick we will Harris. in a couple of episodes from now when he comes when on When he's the on show. your show, yeah. That's right, when he's on my show, <laughs> when he's on the Craig Weber show. That's right, next the, April 1st. So that's right, that's right, April 1st of 2015 when I do when I take over the airwaves once again. That's right, Neil, Neil Gaiman and Patrick Harris. That's right, it's a star, it's the it's the <laughs> night of a thousand stars, and I, and I have Gaiman and... Uh, Neil Patrick and Thomas Harris. Yeah, and, and right. all three of them. Yeah, and Franco Harris. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah, it's and the all Harris all Franco, the time. If Franco doesn't like what the other two are saying, he'll just knock him the fuck out. That's right. That's right. Um, make and, him drink a coke. Right. No, and character actor Harris Joe Green. Right. That was that was that was me. Hey, kid. Right. Yeah. He was my towel. Character actor Harris Eulen will also be on my show. I have no idea who that is. You, if you saw him, you'd say, "Oh fuck, that guy." Oh, that, yeah. that guy. That He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's a character actor. You know who he is. He's the judge in Ghostbusters 2. Okay. The Scully Brothers! Oh, I know. That guy? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, see? Yeah. That's exactly, that's Harris yeah. Hewlett. You know exactly who I'm talking about. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, to your point, Harris is sitting there. He, he's, he's got this character. He's two pages. He's like, wait a minute. I, I'm, I'm writing this, but I don't know where the hell this starling person's going. I don't know what her past is, blah, blah, blah. And I think he nailed it with the whole... He brings over the Hannibal Lecter character and in the Red Dragon um, as they go through the relationship that is the Will Graham-Hannibal Lecter character. Lecter knew everything there was to know about Will Graham, too. Mm -hmm. That was the whole thing. That's the whole... That's the connection. It's like, you know how you caught me, Will, because you just like me. So, and that's what scared Graham was that Lecter did know him. That they were the same person, yeah. essentially. Well, you know, t- just different shades of gray there, basically. One good, one evil, but who's good, who's evil, blah, blah, blah. So I think to your point, Harris takes this Lecter character and kind of attaches that persona to his writing style. He's like, wait a minute. I'm now going to have Hannibal Lecter tell me who Clarice Starling is. Yes. I'm going to write through that that prism. That's the... And I, and may, I didn't think of that until you, until you put it like that. Yes. And maybe that's exactly what he did. You know what's interesting? You, do you watch CSI? I, I I've dabbled with CSI over the years. Did you Did you catch uh, the uh, brief Larry Fishburne uh, era? I did not see when Fishburne was on there. Well, he's he's got the the same genetic marker that is shared by many killers, so he has that in him. Um, and I just thought it was interesting because in Hannibal, I mean, obviously he's not he's playing Crawford, right? Um, but Will Graham has that, he's on the spectrum type thing, and he's got that ability to basically become the killer. Gotcha. And in CSI, that was one of the things that Fishburne's character was always afraid of, is, you know, I know I have that in me, what keeps it at bay, and, and how do I keep it at bay? How do well, I keep the darkness away? It's whether you take the blue pill or the red pill, isn't it? It exactly is. Because if you take that red pill, you're free, man. You can do whatever you want. That's right. You can fly like Superman. That's exactly right. Yeah. Why don't we take a break, and we'll come back. Do we, do we have a Use Your Illusion tonight? Um, I don't know. If you didn't bring the book, we don't have one. I always have the book. Is there anything appropriate in there? For April Fool's? Yeah. Some, something fool-related? Yeah. Hey, well, let's find out. Motley, maybe the Motley Fool. Well, let's find something. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll take a break and dig through that book.
But let my soul take flight You've been my strong tower And my fortress in the sky But let me stay with you Forever and hide Under your wings Don't you choose to love and kindness Watch over me Watch over me time for uh cue the music folks that's right there it is okay your illusion and for the kids at home that's illusion with, with, with an a in honor of uh dan embarking on a new line of storytelling where he regales us with some tales about well let's just say aliens yeah can we say aliens we, we don't want to give aliens. it away aliens yeah that's going to be on uh stry Story Radio. Yeah, we found a clever little illusion. Amid the alien corn. Dan, are you familiar with Amid the Alien Corn? Do you know what this means? Do you know where this comes from? Alien porn? Alien. What was Come again? Alien porn? Is that what you said? No, I said come again. Oh, well, yeah. Well, ah, yeah. those crazy aliens. Anyway, or alien that, corn. Is that from C-O-R-N, the. C O R N, corn. Amid the alien corn. Is that X Files <laughs> Fight Paul? the Future? Hey, <laughs> Oh, I were they in a cornfield? Yeah, remember they. Aren't they uh, always in? They're either in a cornfield or in honeycombs. They're always <laughs> running in cornfields or honeycombs. Honeycomb, yeah, not that kind of honeycomb. Honeycomb, honeycomb. Yeah. So uh, amid the alien corn means being alone in a foreign land or alien surroundings, a stranger among strangers. And although the phrase sounds like the title of an agricultural horror novel. Yeah, the it's, plant. It's really from a famous poem by English romantic poet John Keats. Oh, again, with the English. And Ode to a Nightingale. Them, them, them and their damn stories and their damn colorful turn of the language. Yes. Amid the alien corn. I like that one. I do I too. really like that one. Perhaps the self-same song that found a path through the sad heart of Ruth when, sick for home, she stood in tears amid the alien corn. Ah. It sounds really cool. It does. Let's see. My poetry needs a little little dose of Keats. I need to come up with a clever, colorful phrase, an illusion, like amid the alien corn. Now, you can start throwing that around with that your That made me think of uh, some of the uh, worse um, Jap- Japanimation. What do they call that? Anime? Anime, yeah, yeah, where they have like the the crazy big eyes, the great well, and the tentacles and things. Oh, okay. You're not familiar with. Up I'm not. Speak. <laughs> I'm not. You don't want to be. He got his tentacles stay, all over. Stay squeamish. Me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That doesn't stay, sound good. Yeah, stay squeamish, friend. Okay, very good. Amid the alien corn. Yeah. Start the using alien that corn one. Corn grabs the girl and it's, it's a, way with her. Seriously? I, I don't know. I don't think it was corn. It was some sort of alien tentacled thing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, they have some weird ideas over there. Unlike the Americans who don't have any weird ideas at no, all. No, we don't have any weird ideas. Or the Canadians who, you know, drop blood and donuts on us. <laughs> yes. I'm talking about the film, not actual blood and donuts. Oh, that would be delicious, though. I bet Hannibal Lecter would be a big fan of blood in donuts. Or, I don't, or you know, blood, blood in donuts, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen him eat sweets. Sweetbreads? Sweetbreads, yeah, of course, but yeah. that's kind of... Asobaso? Uh, asabuco. Asabuco? Yeah. 
Is that, never, guy, is that the guy from... Uh, I'll never eat Asabuco again. I got some of that in the freezer. I will never eat it again. I'll cook it for you. I'll never eat it again. You know, is he feeding that shit to, to them all the way through the first season? I think so. I think that's hilarious. I think that's... I think that's, hilarious. I think that's I think, Jack Carter, come on over with your wife. I think, uh, I, think, I think Will just came to the realization that when he was eating that breakfast sausage, it really wasn't sausage. Well, I guess it could be. I mean... Doesn't I mean nobody knows what there, you ever heard that old line? That's an illusion. There's two things you never want people to you never want to see have people see you make laws and sausage. Because <laughs> I think anything can I think you can grind up anything, throw it in a casing, and it's sausage. By the very definition of the word sausage. A friend of mine says sausage. Sausage told me jockey. That years ago, when he was a sausage young jockey. man, fresh out of the military, sausage jockey. Yes, sausage jockey. Turd burglar. <laughs> man, man I got the list. I can break it out. <laughs> April Fool's. <laughs> um, yes, a friend of yours. Told me when he was a young man, he'd just gotten out of the military. He got a job working at a... Sausage uh, factory. Yes, actually. A, a factory that produced meat products for um, a well-known chain. And <laughs> well <that's>, played. <laughs> you might have to write some copy for them one day, so don't alienate them. Yeah. Don't want to give them any alien corn. Hey, now. Any, or alien porn either. Um, Either or. So he said that part of his job was walking along the assembly line and cleaning things up, you know. And Yeah, I don't he, like where this is going. I like sausage. chase the rats away because they would get rats. I mean, there's an acceptable number. There's an acceptable dosage, right. Of rat parts that can That's be right. in your food because yeah. there's no way to keep them out. What is it? It's just under 90%, right? Just under 90%. <laughs> if it's 89% rats, yeah. then you can still call it pork sausage. Right. Uh, <laughs> And he said that they had like a big sausage, sausage, <laughs> and he had a a big shovel sausages, a shovel sausage, sausage shovel, sausages. Kids in the hall, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Oh, really? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to get off on a tangent. So I, I want to hear how this story ends. Go to the YouTube channel, their friends, and look up. Um, uh, kids in the hall. Kids in the hall. Sausages. Sausages. It's 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 well worth your time. It's uh, got a, a very David Lynch vibe. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so he would use this clean metal shovel to shovel any of the uh, sausage that fell <laughs> off of the belt back onto the belt, so that it could be then pressed into sausage. And uh, he also talked about cleaning the machinery. And you would have to, you know, get in there and scrub. And every once in a while, you might nick your knuckle or nick your thumb or sure. whatever, and get a little bit of uh, uh, Hannibal food in there. We apparently taste like pork anyway. Adds to it. Adds yeah. to the flavor. That's right. It's like human stew. Couple, couple rats. Couple rat things. It's a potpourri of flavor. It's delicious. That's why sausage is great. That's why we love it. That's why I love bacon. <laughs> bacon tastes good. <laughs> Rat meat tastes like pumpkin pie, but you'd never, I'd never know it. Bacon is good. Sausage tastes good. <laughs> so, so is a dog a filthy animal? If he's living among the alien corn, if no. he is, yeah, but he's got personality. That makes the up for it. Dog's got personality. That makes up for it. Yeah, yeah. Give me, me my lightsaber over there. It says "bad <laughs> motherfucker" on it. All right, I think we'll wrap and print this one. What do you say? I, I think we should. Um, yeah, because this has to go out for April first. So, no, oh my God, yeah. Get her going. We don't have April much, fools. We don't have much time. We don't. We haven't much time. We we haven't got much time. Got a left. bad feeling about this. Yeah, go get them. All right. Good we'll night, everybody. See you next time. Bye bye now. Seven, eight, nine. You're listening to Channel Nine of the SDRY Radio Network. Their stories live. The truth is out there by Daniel Foytek. When the lights went out and the car stuttered and rolled to a stop, he knew. At first, he was excited. This was what he had come here for after all. He felt the trilling electric excitement at finally having it happen. When he had quit his job in New York, and headed out across the country on his personal mission, his friends and family had told him he was crazy for letting a casual interest become first a hobby, then an obsession, 
and finally, the kind of madness that made him throw away a promising six-figure income career, complete with a company car and a private office for an uncertain future and any on-job he could find that would allow him to keep his gas tank full as he drove his way westward in an increasingly unreliable old Chevy. He looked at his reflection in the rearview mirror and laughed. <laughs> Who wouldn't think I was crazy? He said, stroking the beard that was just past indie latte-loving hipster and quickly heading toward crazed, pigeon-herding homeless man. I haven't bathed in five days. I look like a dumpster-diving whiskey bottle prophet, and I'm talking to myself. Again. It was eerily quiet as the car didn't run, the wind didn't blow, and the moonlight didn't make it through the tall pines. After chasing them across the country, trying to be in the right place at the right time for so long, the failures making it seem more rather than less likely they were real, he felt the first twinge of the stale, acrid emotion he knew was anxiety. He didn't subscribe to the conspiracy theories that their agenda was purely nefarious. But he also didn't think the crazies with their love and light and ways to raise your cosmic vibration had it right either. He felt his stomach convulse and tighten, accompanied by a healthy dose of extra digestive juices as the tartness of apprehension became the nostril-widening battery acid of panic. There was a strangely surreal moment as he felt the tingle of static electricity and every hair on his body came to attention. The car began to vibrate. He felt the roller coaster sensation of his stomach relocating. A loud hum came from above. The light came and then... Faced creature smelled like a sewage dump and looked like a mentally handicapped flarg. Steve and Gary pulled the tattered clothing from the stinky creature and tossed each item in the bin with the clothes from the others. They then hefted it up onto the metal table and strapped it into the restraints. They're so fucking filthy, Steve said. I feel like I need to force myself to molt every time we leave this cesspool. Gary looked down at his hands, then back at Steve. He tilted his head and blinked his large, black eyes slowly a few times, and then shrugged his thin shoulders. I like it, he said, and then shoved a long metallic tube inside the creature. It yowled, and its tiny, mostly white eyes popped open. It shouted and jabbered at them, but he couldn't break free the restraints. Shut that thing up, man. It's giving me a fucking headache already. Steve said, clenching his ear holes shut as tight as he could. Gary chuckled and brought his face close to the creature, staring deep into its tiny pupils, letting it feel the full distance between this world and Gary's home world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Feel the light years, bitch. The creature passed out, and thick red fluid dribbled from its breathing holes. It doesn't understand, Gary said between chuckles. It keeps asking why we're doing this to it. Steve sighed. Why are we doing this again? There are other places to go, other things we can do instead of coming here to tease the locals. <laughs> but they're so stupid, Gary said, trying to catch his breath. He was laughing so hard, his face had gone from pale gray to dark gray. Yeah, Gary, they're dumb. That's why I don't get it. There's no challenge in it. <laughs> That's what makes it so funny. They'll never understand. Plus, they have so many holes to jam things into. He shoved another tube into the creature, this time into its food hole and down its gullet. The creature gagged and Gary laughed harder. This is my favorite one yet. It keeps coming back. He was tired of driving. He looked down at the clock and was surprised to see how late it was. He had apparently completely zoned out while driving. Obviously, nothing was going to happen tonight. And if he didn't pull over soon, he might drive off a cliff before he realized what he was doing. It was frustrating. He'd been tracking reports for months, yet was always one step behind them, based on the witness accounts. 
He shifted uncomfortably as he scanned the horizon for lights, hoping he was close to a city or even a small town. The t-shirt he had on was at least one size too small and didn't look like one of his. He wondered if he had grabbed someone else's when he had stopped to do laundry last night. Why hadn't he noticed how tight it was until now? It didn't matter. His ass hurt from driving all day. The hemorrhoids were getting worse, and the sore throat he had started to get just outside of Philly wasn't improving either. He winced, demoralized, and feeling sulky. And, he said, shifting in seat, I haven't seen one fucking alien yet. Listening to the Ninth Story Podcast, a hicks and fabulous production. I broke it.